You're listening to a message from Highway Church. Receive God's amazing love for you as Jennifer shares this message entitled, Stringing Pearls. Thank you, love. Thank you. Yeah, we've got places to go, right? Things to do, places to be. Uh, We can't be stopped by little things like storms or feelings, right? We can't be stopped. We've got things to do, places to go, and things to do in Jesus' name, and we're going there. Hallelujah. Oh, what a wonderful time we just shared together and worshiped. The revelation that God loves us so much that he gave his one and only son. There is no greater love than a man would lay down his life for his friends. And we thank you, Father. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for this love that knows no end. It knows no limit. It is eternal and everlasting. Thank you, Father, that your love reached us wherever we were. (laughs) that we were not too far from you for your love to reach us. And we thank you for it, Lord. We thank you, God, for ears that hear right now. We value your word. We value what you say. We value what you are saying to us this morning, Lord. And so our ears are attuned to you, our uh, heart is open and ready to receive, as Pastor Joseph exhorted us, receive from you what you have uh, purposed for us to have this morning. We receive it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for your word and the anointing that is on your word to break yokes. And thank you, Lord, that we are indeed free today in Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Oh, boy, his love. I'm having a hard time getting away from it. (laughs) Uh, No, it's right. Why get away, right? We don't have to get away. Hallelujah. Faith, hope, and love, right? That should be our emphasis through the day. Faith, hope, and love. We set our mind on those, and of course, the Bible says the greatest of these is love in Jesus' name. Uh, we're going to start with our scripture this morning. Luke 12 is where we're going to begin. Luke 12, 32. Um, I'll be using the Amplified Bible quite a bit this morning. Um, New King James. Uh, the scriptures will be on the board so you can follow along. Uh, and value, and I just want to say that real quick. When Joseph was just speaking just a little while ago. I really recognize this is not Joseph. This is from God. And we need to really value and cherish what the Lord is doing. When we come together, it's, for, it's not for naught. <laughs> it's not for nothing. It is for something. It is for a purpose. And we need to be in pursuit of why are we here? Why did God gather us? Uh, some of us have come from different places. All of us have come from different places. And why are we gathered here this morning and others aren't? And there's a purpose, and we need to know when a man of God, a woman of God, a speaker, someone representing God is speaking, that he's doing just that, representing the very heart of God and what God would want to say. And we're looking for that this morning. So let's look at Luke 12, 32. Uh, This is from um, 
The new king, oh, this is Weast you're giving me this morning. Thank you. Uh, it says, stop fearing, little flock, right? We don't have anything to worry about, we just heard. Stop fearing, little flock, because your father chose to give you the kingdom. Wow, that's awesome. I love that. Uh, Amplified says, do not be seized with alarm and struck with fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. I like the Weast because it says it in past tense, your father chose to give you the kingdom. So in other words, it's already been decided. For those of us who are praying for God to decide something, you can just stop because he's already chosen. He's already decided. He's already chosen to give us the kingdom. So I want to know this morning, well, what is this thing, the kingdom that he's given us? What is this? And, and what is its value? What is its worth? What is this kingdom of God? And uh, I like that it says little flock, too, because last week we were with Debbie going through the fields <laughs> with our shepherd. So we're just tying off of what you did last week. We're a little flock. God has given us his kingdom. So what's its value? What's its worth? Matthew is the only gospel that spends time talking about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. It's everywhere in this book and very few places anywhere else. I think Isaiah is the only other place where you can find a reference to the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. So Matthew takes a good deal of time to explain what is this kingdom. And he's explaining it to, do you, uh, to his disciples primarily. And his, prim and his disciples were primarily made up of Jewish people, Hebrew people, people of the Jewish faith. And so Matthew has a distinct um, emphasis on the kingdom of God, and as it relates to the um, Jewish people, the people, God's chosen people. So you'll see a reference in Matthew to those things. And he spoke in parables to his disciples. Everybody should know a parable. A parable, when I was little, it was described as a, heaven, a heavenly story with an earthly meaning. Have you heard that before? What is a parable? A parable is a heavenly story with, oh, I'm sorry, it's an earthly story, excuse me, with a heavenly meaning. I switched it around. Say that again. A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And uh, boy, the things that we learn as children, teach your children, train them up in the word because the things stay with them. Even if they get them switched around, they'll come back. <laughs> Yeah. So he talked to his disciples in parables, and we want to look specifically at one in the book of Matthew concerning the kingdom of God. Let's look at Matthew 13. Matthew 13 and verse 45. Let's look at that. Matthew 13, verse 45, in the Amplified Bible, which I have right here, says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who is a dealer in search of fine and precious pearls, 46, who, on finding a single pearl of great price, went and sold all he had and bought it. All right? And let's look at that in the Weist translation as well. I believe you have that. It says, 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a traveling merchant buyer. Or the other scripture said a man, right? Seeking beautiful pearls, verse 46, and having found one pearl of great value, having gone off, sold all, as much as he was possessing, having staked all that he had in one business venture. 
which would either make or break him and purchased it in the marketplace. I love the Weiss translation. So uh, that's the Weiss translation. Leave that there for just a little bit. We want to talk about this scripture. Uh, of the, it's called the parable of the uh, pearl of great price or pearl of great value, sometimes it's said. The merchant in this story, back in verse 45, is a reference to Jesus. You may have heard otherwise. You may have heard that we as followers or seekers looking for Christ are the man seeking for some treasure. But it's, you'll see later, and I'll explain why that doesn't fit. The merchant in this story is the person of Jesus. And as I said, Matthew spends a lot of time talking about different parables, different explanations. What is this kingdom of heaven? It's, it's like a sower who sows seed. That sower in that story is the man who... Jesus. So it figures and follows that this same man, this merchant seeker, this merchant um, buyer is the man, Jesus. Okay? Jesus is actively in pursuit of something of great worth. In Luke, Eden chapter 19, verse 10, we know this scripture. We know Jesus states his own purpose. He says, for the son of man has come. Why? To seek just like this merchant buyer, to seek and save that which was lost. Now, the pearl in this situation was hidden. He came upon it. He, he was seeking for it, and he came upon it. Um, so the Son of Man has come to seek and save. So that this man in this parable is Jesus follows. It makes sense. This is what Jesus came to do, to seek and to save the lost. Now, when he found this pearl... He made an assessment. <laughs> Every, probably the most common thing that we adult in the adult world know is the tax assessor, right? And he comes by, and maybe he comes by, and figures out what your property and buildings and all this stuff are worth, and then he assesses it at such a value. Well, the definition of assess is to imply a critical uh, appraisal for the purpose of understanding or interpreting as a guide for taking action. So the assessor comes and takes a look and checks it all out so that he can take some kind of action, which is to send you a bill in the mail, <laughs> okay? In the case of this merchant buyer, he's assessing this pearl. He's taking a look at it with the intent of understanding, interpreting, what should I do about this? A guide for taking action. He wants to take action. So this pearl, hallelujah, thank you, Lord. This pearl, he takes a look at, he assesses it and decides to take action. And the action that he takes is to sell everything. So he's decided, he's made an evaluation. This is not somebody who doesn't know. We just read in the previous verse that this man is a merchant buyer. So this is his business, and he sold everything else that he had. I imagine he had a variety of gems, a variety of pearls, a variety of different things, and he turned those all in. He sold all of those in to get this one pearl of great price. He sold it all. He wasn't unknowing. He wasn't uh, uninformed. He wasn't ignorant of what he was doing. He wasn't taken by just, you know, a momentary fleeting beauty and tossed it all in. He made an assessment. He knew what he was purchasing, and he gave it all away to obtain 
this one pearl of great price. We're going to see why this is important. Remember, this person is Jesus. And we'll see just in a little bit what it is that is really going on here. So what did Jesus, if Jesus is the merchant, what did he give up? What did he sell? What was all of this other stuff that he gave up? And we want to look at a number of scriptures here this morning about what he gave up and, and what he sold in order to obtain this pearl. John 3.16, we all know it. Let's take a look at that one. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So we have the Father giving his only Son. He's giving it all. The Father is giving it all. Let's look at Isaiah 53, verse 12. Isaiah 53, we know this chapter because we look at it every time we take communion. We look at Isaiah 53, verse 4, 5. We look through those areas there. And, uh, but this is towards the end of the chapter, and this is concerning Jesus also. Therefore, I will divide him, being Jesus, a portion with the great. He shall divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. So he made intercession. He was numbered with the sinners. Transgressors is a big fancy word for those who missed the mark, those who didn't make the cut, <laughs> those who sin. So he was numbered with the transgressors. He bore the sin of many. He made intercession for the transgressors. So he poured out his soul unto death. I find that wording very interesting. So not only was it a physical death, right? Not only was his body nailed on the cross, but we know the agony that he experienced is told to us in the Gospels when he went into the Garden of Gethsemane and agonized before the Father, not my will, but your will be done. So he poured out his soul unto death, his every part of his being, his body, his soul, he poured it all out. Hallelujah. He gave it. He willingly poured out his life, another scripture says, in place of soul to death. Yes, thank you, Jesus. It, it should make us say, thank you, Lord. Our response is, that, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. How he loves us. Let's look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 7 and 8. Philippians chapter 2, verse 7 and 8. This comes from the Amplified Bible also. Remember, we're, what did Jesus give up? God the Father gave his son. That was his act. And then the son gave up his soul, his life. Look at Philippians 2, 7 and 8 in the Amplified Bible. It says, but stripped himself, right? Got rid of everything. <laughs> but stripped himself of all privileges and rightful dignity, so as to assume the guise of a servant or a slave, in that he became like men and was born a human being. So this verse is telling us that he stripped himself. He laid aside, took off all the rightful privileges, all the dignity, so that he could become a, a man, a servant, a slave, that he could become like men, he was born a human being. Verse 8 says, And after he had appeared in human form, after he had entered into the world, 
he abased and humbled himself even further. <laughs> he, he didn't come in and have a big fanfare and a big news reporters all around. There wasn't any of that stuff. He came into the earth in, as a human form. So not only did he just lay down his deity, lay down all of his dignity, lay down all of his privileges, all of his rights, he laid them all down. Here he is, a baby. But not only that, he's humbled himself after a baby even further. He's laying in a manger full of it's hay. <laughs> a manger. <laughs> I'm teasing Danny. We went to the big E, and straw is what you lie down on. Hay is what you eat. And a manger held the food, the hay. So little agricultural lesson here from the country girl. <laughs> All right, so there he is lying in a manger full of hay. This is where animals eat. So he is further humbled, and he's carrying his obedience to the Father. Remember, it was the Father who gave the Son, but then the Son had some giving to do, right? So it's not just like, well, you know, all along the steps, there's giving, and you'll see that. And God made the decision to give, and then Jesus, when he was here, is making the decision to give. Well, how he carried his obedience to the extreme of death, even the death on a cross. So not even just death like, I don't know, he laid down one day and just fell asleep and just passed. No, death on a cross. Look at the extremity. Look at the uh, severity, that's right, of what he is doing. He's going, he is doing the ultimate. He's giving the ultimate. He didn't just like I said, he didn't just fall asleep one night and, and die and say, well, there, I did my job. No, it was death on a cross. It was sacrificial. He was pouring out everything. So we have just learned God gave his son. Jesus gave his life, gave his soul. He, he stripped himself, emptied himself of the deity, and he died even the death on a cross. Let's look at 2 Corinthians verse 8. Uh, excuse me, chapter 8, verse 9. We know this one. We often talk about this in an uh, offering time. But look what Jesus gave up for us. You are becoming progressively acquainted with and recognizing more strongly. We know that, don't we? Amplify Bible. And clearly the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, we are. Aren't we, church? We're becoming progressively more acquainted, more strongly, more clearly. Are we seeing the grace of God in our lives in Highway Church? His kindness, his gracious generosity, his undeserved favor and spiritual blessing toward us. <laughs> in that, though he was so very rich, not just rich, he was so very rich. This is God we're talking about. Yet for your sakes... He became so very poor, all right? In order that by his poverty, what? You might become enriched, abundantly supplied. Think back to this merchant buyer. He's tossing it all in. He's throwing it all in. He's throwing everything in to make this purchase. Remember, Pastor Joseph just said it is an exchange, right? So he's selling all of this. He's giving up all of this. He's laying all of this aside. It means nothing to him for that one pearl of great price. Boy, we got to figure this one out. What in the world? What is this pearl of great price? We're getting there. Titus 
2, let's look at that. What else? What did Jesus sell? What did he have to give up? Titus 2.14, who gave himself for us. What did he give? He gave himself that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. So he's giving himself up that we might be bought back. Uh-oh, that's a clue. He's giving himself redeem. We're being bought back. So he gave himself up for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people. Hallelujah. Didn't Pastor Joseph encourage us this morning with that scripture? Also, we're a chosen race, holy nation. Hallelujah. Let's look at Ephesians 5, 25. It says the same, except now we're talking about it in relation with one another. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. I have heard... Um, and some of the best marriage counseling that I have ever attended or marriage conference I've ever attended is this. They refer to this scripture and say that any issue, any issue at all in a marriage that's going bad can be solved by this. Want to know how to fix it between husbands and wives? Well, let's learn and model what did Jesus do for the church. What did Jesus do for the church? He gave himself for her everything didn't try to hold back anything didn't try to reserve for myself well i need to feel valued i need to feel like you appreciate me and i'm gonna just withhold until i get that he didn't do that he didn't do that he didn't withhold things from us as a matter of fact the scripture tells us that he's withheld nothing right as a matter of fact that's what it says he's withheld nothing he's not holding back in reserve to see how you're going to respond. And did you notice what I did for you? I made the bed, you know, or I made, I made dinner, or I folded the laundry in that special way. You know, he's not holding back, waiting to see. Does anybody notice what I'm doing? Nope. He gave himself, not holding anything back. Everything, everything. That's why I love this merchant buyer. You know he wasn't just... He's been trading. You know, the whole idea of trading is you buy low and you sell high and then you buy some more and you sell high. This is one method of trading, all right? <laughs> and so he's got all this collection of things he's been building up, right? This merchant buyer. And now he's just cashing it all in. It doesn't matter. He's giving it all, all right? He's not holding back something for himself. He's giving it all. Hallelujah. And then 1 Peter, let's look at this. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. I love these scriptures. It's just giving us a picture of everything that he's given to the, what extent he's given, not, not withholding, not grudgingly, not sparingly. He's given generously. 1 Peter 1, 18, it says, you must know, recognize that you were redeemed you were ransomed from the useless, fruitless way of living inherited by tradition uh -oh, from your forefathers. Pastor Joseph warns us about that often, right? Traditions from our forefathers, right? Well, we were redeemed from that. We were ransomed from that useless, fruitless way of living. We were ransomed from that, not with corruptible things such as silver and gold, verse 19, but you were purchased with the precious blood of Christ, the Messiah. 
like that of a sacrificial lamb, without blemish or spot. Yeah, hallelujah. Come on, that sinks in. He gave his own spotless, blameless, precious blood and poured it out for us. That's how much he gave. That's what he gave. And then Jesus, this merchant buyer, Jesus, bought, he paid in full. He didn't have to go borrow to make this uh, purchase. And this is to emphasize and say that God all by himself is all sufficient. He didn't have to go somewhere else. He is all sufficient. His blood pays the full price. His blood pays the full price. He didn't have to go and say, can you help me purchase this to anybody? He did it all by himself once and for all. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Glory to God. So looking at all these verses, can we guess what the pearl is? Huh, 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 huh? Yeah, raise your hand. It's us. <laughs> right? It's us. It's us. Looking at all these verses, we are going to guess that the pearl represents his people, and his people all together cumulatively would be the church, right? Us. Highway church. God gave his son. Jesus gave it all to purchase this pearl. Now, does this make you scratch your head right away? Are you kind of thinking, well, what was so wonderful and marvelous about us? We oftentimes uh, don't see ourselves and have to fight the thoughts, resist the thoughts of ourselves unredeemed, because we are now redeemed, right? We are no longer sinners, right? But we are saved by grace. We are his, belonging to him. So, but that was after we understood what Jesus did. How, what did he see? What did he see at that time? You know this, I found this so interesting in studying this, that when you judge pearls or grade pearls, you know how they grade diamonds, right? With the, like four C's or five C's. I don't know how many C's there are, but we know there are all these qualifications for, for grading diamonds. Do you know anything about pearls? Does anyone know about the pearl grading system? I had to learn this. The pearl grading system is totally subjective, it is unique to each buyer. So there is no industry standard in pearl buying. It's all based upon what the buyer is looking for. Huh? Is that something? Okay. Now, there, I looked up what are, these, what are the biggest pearls or what are the most expensive pearls that exist, you know? And there are two that are interesting that I found interesting. One is worth $3.5 million, and it looks like something really ugly. <laughs> I, do, I would not want to pay $3.5 million. I would not assess it at that value. But it is a large, it's called the Pearl of Allah, actually. It was found in the 1930s. There was a Muslim man who was deep sea diving in the oceans near the Philippines, came across this pearl. But it is the ugliest thing. It is a naturally formed pearl. It's not round in any way. It's like this croissant-shaped or something. 
<laughs> and uh, it's really odd and really strange. It's nothing like what we think of as a pearl. And then the, the top pearl is worth $139 million, but this pearl was man-made. It's been being shaped and being buffed and being polished for three years to get to this shape. And I wrote it down. Let's see if I can find it. It's height. It's in China somewhere. It's called the Beauty of Ocean. So pearls have names, and uh, it's called the Beauty of Ocean. It's six tons in weight. It's five feet high. It's green, and it glows in the dark. Again, I'm not sure I want that pearl. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm not sure I would have assessed that. See, I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing when I'm looking at pearls. But the interesting thing about it is that the one who's buying the pearl sets the standard. Think about that. So whatever Jesus saw in the church, in us, even in our unredeemed state, I don't think he was assessing us, was he, on our unredeemed state. He was assessing us on something that he was seeing that was not obvious. I look at this pearl of Allah and think, that is something. I don't know. No, no. I would never want to wear that around my neck, right? It's croissant. I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't know anything about that. But the buyer, Jesus, saw something in that, even though... Uh, I can't understand it. So the buyer of pearls, there is no industry standard. The buyer determines the value. Isn't that something? Hallelujah. So we should be excited right about now because God is seeing something in us. And this is just the next part of this whole thing. Seeing, that the, seeing the value that God places in us, it ought to uh, in, create a response in us, shouldn't it? If we see that God has deemed us as valuable, that he would give his everything. He would go and he would give up his deity. He would come and be born in the state of a baby in a barn, that he would do that. Then he would obey the Father all the way to death. And then not only just any death, but death on a cross. If we can see and realize the value that we had to Jesus, we would have a response to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Thank you for seeing me. Uh, Fred Hammond, we've been playing it a little bit before service. He came out with, um, he's been with me forever. Joseph, I just thought about it again the other day. He's been with us through so many. Fred Hammond, he's a gospel artist. He just had an album released on uh, last Friday. Uh, what's it called? Worship. The Worship Journal, thank you. Worship Journal, it's a live album, but there's a song in there, John 3.16, and it says, that's how much he loves you. That, and it just keeps going, that's how much he loves you. That's how much he loves you. And he can't get it out of your head. That's how much he loves you. And there have been two occasions out in the public where that song has been playing in my vehicle, and I saw one was, I drove by past a guy with a Darwin fish on the back of his trunk, and I thought, oh, I'm sitting in here rejoicing and celebrating. That's how much he loves you. And I was so prompted to pray for this driver of this car. I thought, oh, he'd never have that fish on the back of his car if he just only knew. That's how much he loves you. Oh, I so want these people to know. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he gave. And a second occasion was in Fall River. We 
uh, saw a lady who uh, obviously was on drugs trying to cross a street, and she was almost frozen in the, in the walkway. And I thought, oh, you don't know. That's how much he loves you, the extent to which he went, the extent to which he gave of himself in order to have us. And we so need to be grateful, thankful, and to tell others their value. Even when we don't see it, we can't assess it for ourselves. He's already assessed it. He's already offered. He's already purchased the price for them to know him. We might not be able to assess it, I might not be able to see what God sees, but I have to tell them anyway. I have to tell them. I, that's how much he loves you. This is the value that God has placed in your life. Hallelujah. You know, I just, right here, I want to just say something real quick. You know, God didn't do this. <laughs> A lot of times we say, well, you know, I, okay, I understand that God does this, and now you're asking me to, do something. <laughs> Listen, God did not, God did not give all that he gave so that you would feel like you owe him. God did not give his life. He did not make all this provision for you so that you would live your life feeling like you owe it to him. There, I, there's a song, and I used to like it, and I'm going to have to go back. It says, I owe you worship. And I understand the sense of I'm so moved that I just have to, I have, I, this is what I owe you. But in God's mind, he's not saying that we owe him anything. And that has just been sitting inside of me for a couple weeks now. He, he is not, when it comes to offering time, and Pastor Joseph says, don't give if you don't want to give. You don't have to give as, an, as a payment or as an owing. That's not it. Why? Why, why, why should we value him? Because he, he deserves it and he, we owe it to him. No. Why? Why should we value what he's done? I'll tell you why. It's not, and, and often and too much, too many times, it's because we feel like, well, I owe it to him. This is not what, is God, what God gave his life on the cross. This is not why he gave everything, so that you would walk around feeling like you owe it to him. He did not give with that motivation. All right? Let's find out what is going on here. Let's look at Romans 8, verse 29. Oh, no, I didn't get that one, did I? Sorry about that, sweeties. Okay, 2 Corinthians 3.18. It says uh, similar to Romans 8. I'll go there then. But let's look at this one. Pastor Joseph has been talking about this in his Transformers uh, message series. It says, And all of us, as with unveiled face, because we continue to behold in the word of God, as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are constantly being transfigured into what? His very own image in ever-increasing splendor and from one degree to another, a one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So what's happening to us is as we value and we understand what God has done for us, we're actually becoming like him so you know if I and 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 again God did not give so that we would feel that we would oh God gave because he just wanted to give and so what happens to us is we are formed and transfigured and transformed into his image where we just want to give because we want to give we're in his image now we're giving not because I feel like I owe it or oh I feel so bad no I am being formed in his image and I too am becoming a giver I am a giver I am a giver just like God is a giver, all right? 
He's transforming me. I mean, if I weren't being changed, then you're right. He's the giver and I'm the taker. And boy, I owe him. But no, because we're being transformed, he's the giver and I'm the giver. <laughs> right? Do you see the difference? And now there's joy. There's no guilt and no heaviness. Now there's joy. I'm becoming like God himself. He has given this to me. He's paid the price so that I would be transformed. Hallelujah. 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 And it does say that. Let me read Romans 8 to you. It says, uh, I think it's 829, Romans 829. It's also, so transformed in his image, this says. And this Romans 829, it says, for those whom he foreknew, of whom he was aware and loved beforehand, right? He was aware of our value beforehand, remember? We didn't see it. We didn't know. But before he made the purchase, he was aware, Right? Verse 29, he knew he was aware and he loved it beforehand. He also destined from the beginning for ordaining them to be molded or conformed into the image of his son and share inwardly his likeness. Oh, I love the Amplify Bible. So we're conformed on the outside. We're starting to look like him now and on the inside. Hallelujah. Amen. We're starting to look like him, church. <laughs> <laughs> the more we go with this, the more we're going to look like. We're going to start to look like him. And doesn't uh, 1 John 3 give us the promise that when we see him, we shall see him face to face. And when we do, we'll be as he is. And it won't be a surprise because all this while, while we've been journeying here on the earth, we've been valuing his word. We've been being transformed on the inside. We're being conformed on the outside. And all of a sudden, we are really starting to look like him. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. We are being changed, Pastor Joseph. We are being changed. You called this the year of promises way back, right, in January, the year of God's promises. Well, what have we done with them? All right, here's, here's where the rubber hits the road. What have we done with them? Have we memorized them? I know Debbie's given her group a little notebook. Have we written them down in a notebook? Or have we done nothing? That may be an answer too. Well, I want to talk to you a little bit today about what's called stringing pearls. Ha <laughs> ha. And that's the title of this message, stringing pearls. I'm a girl and uh, Joseph can have his superhero analogies, but I'm a girl and I'm going to talk about pearls. <laughs> we have a joke in our house. Like if I take him to a movie, uh, you know, and my movies tend to be historical in nature or documentary-like, you know. Uh, we just went and saw Sully the other night, you know, the airplane the, who landed on the Hudson. I enjoyed that movie. But now that means I owe him a superhero movie. I really do. Because <laughs> I'm not becoming like him in a superhero. So I really owe it to you. <laughs> oh... But you know what? We give our, don't we, in our husband and wife, we give himself, right? We give husbands, you know, love your wives, says Christ of the church. <laughs> ah, so I'm going, I'm going. Ah, but I'm going to talk about pearls this morning. And maybe you already know this, but there is a Hebrew method of teaching. And if you do know this, raise your hand at me. There's a Hebrew method of teaching that's called stringing pearls. Anybody ever heard of this? Awesome. I was so encouraged. Debbie, you were sharing with me that you were preparing to speak and there was a, something to aid you or something to encourage you right in the room where you were. Well, I was in the car driving again. I do a lot of that, don't I? I do a lot of driving. <laughs> and uh, 
I was listening to the radio and boom, up came this string of pearls. And I had never heard of it before, but there it was on the radio, right for me, as God giving preparation. He's so good to us. But stringing pearls is a Hebrew method of teaching. And here's what it is. It's when you take one truth or you take one promise and you put together various related truths or various related promises. Joseph does this for us every Sunday morning. He takes a truth from the New Testament. He takes a truth from Isaiah. He takes a truth and he strings it all together for us and it creates for us uh, an understanding, a picture, an understanding. And by it, we learn a valuable lesson is what it says. Uh, uh, so it's called stringing pearls. And you'll see it in the scriptures. Jesus used it when he made reference to the Psalms or he made reference to, to Isaiah, to the prophets. Paul used it in talking with people that he talked with. He'll make reference to other areas in the scripture. He's taking one truth from here, one truth from there, another from over here, and stringing them all together so that you get a picture of what you're supposed to be understanding. It's called stringing pearls. If you ask any rabbi today, they will know this idea this concept of stringing pearls. Well, this is what Pastor Joseph has been encouraging us to do, and he models, us, models it for us every Sunday, to string pearls, to get a promise concerning something, to get another promise concerning something, to string all of these together. And I want to look now at 2 Peter. Let's go there. 2 Peter chapter 1. In verse 4, you know this is a, a pearl necklace that was my grandmother's. It now belongs to Eden. And uh, we have a little bit of a tradition, I guess, that's beginning. When Mariah turned 16, she received uh, pearls from her grandmother, my mother, whom many of you met this summer while they were with us. Uh, a pearl necklace it was of hers, but it had broken. But she kept all the pearls, but not enough to make a necklace, so she made Mariah, redesigned it into a bracelet and earrings, right? Okay. So we have a little bit of a tradition. I didn't know. Nobody knew it was going to happen, but it's kind of something that's happened. This is my grandmother's, Eden's great-grandmother's pearls, and uh, we just picked those up for her. But each of these, you know what they say about pearls that, uh, you know, how, what are you supposed to look for in between each pearl? You guys know? A knot, right? Are the pearls knotted like there's a, there's a uh, knot or a t you know, that's tied between each pearl? And some pearls, it doesn't indicate, I read, it doesn't indicate their authenticity. Sometimes people will say, well, if they're knotted, they're real. But sometimes in an effort to make it look authentic, even plastic beads will be knotted. Okay, so it doesn't, just don't believe that, that if it's knotted, that it's necessarily real. But I want to think about this, about the time that we should take if each of these is a promise, each of these being a promise, from, or a truth from the word of God, that we take the time to bind it, that we take the time to tie it, that we take the time, and does this sound like anything to you? Any of you who know the word? I'm, huh? That's right, Proverbs, right? We're going to go there soon. But it's like Proverbs. It's like we're going to bind this truth. We're going to tie this truth. And it tells us to bind it around our neck. Right? So I want to take the time. Otherwise, what happens if we don't take the time to tie it? 
we just throw a pearl onto the string, pearl, what if it breaks, then we have not just one pearl coming off, but they all roll rapidly away if we don't take the time to tie it on, to bind it on. You can't go through the word quickly. You have to eat the word. You have to dwell in the word. You have to tie it on. You have to meditate on it day and night. Observe to do it, right? So we're going to tie it on. We're going to bind it on so that if it breaks, if we meet some difficulty and it breaks, all our pearls don't go rolling away. <laughs> it can't be fast, right? We can't just say, oh, yeah, yeah, I made a decision for Christ. I'm all set. No, no. We make that decision every day, and we dwell in the Word. We abide in Him, and His words abide in us. So let's look at this, 2 Peter 1.4. It says, by which we have been given, which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. Remember the merchant? He saw that something was happening. Something was worthwhile. Something was going on with this pearl that he found. And he counted as precious. We now have exceedingly great and precious promises that through these precious, great, exceedingly great and precious promises, you may be partakers of the divine nature. Hallelujah. Having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. Now, I'm going to liken corruption to a grain of sand. Dirty, gritty, irritating, right? Now, come on. Come with me with pearls. Huh? Come with me about pearls. So we've got this corruption, this dirt, this grit that makes me all yuck. I hate coming home from the beach, and I'm sticky and sandy, and it's bleh. And now I have to get my van. It's in my van, and it's just irritating and annoying, and it's... It's corrupted my van, right? <laughs> I'm corrupted. I just want to get in the shower, right? Right? So we can escape corruption through these divine, these greatly, these great, exceedingly great and precious promises. It's just like this clam where the natural pearl is made. There's an irritant in your life. There's something that's just corruption that's, that's not right. There's an irritant, something that keeps bothering you, something that just grits at you on the inside. If you would, like the pearl, like the clam, bathe that gritty irritant, bathe it in the word of God. Hallelujah. The precious word of God. You know, it's just not made into a pearl. You understand there's like a liquid surface, and then it gets harder, and then some more comes on top of that and makes it harder, and some more of that liquid uh, stuff forms around it and makes it harder, and it becomes more and more durable. The more value the pearl has is, uh, is uh, measured by how much of this uh, material, I don't know what they call it, but uh, how much of this material is around that initial grit of sand? So this is to say to you that the more value you put on the promises of God, the more power from the word of God you'll experience. The more that you value, the more you bathe your situation in the promises of God's word, these great, exceedingly great and precious promises, the more you apply the soothing, anointed word of God over this gritty situation, all of a sudden you won't even know that grit is there. You will be bathed in the promises of God and, you will, and that's what has given you great value, great worth. Do you think that God saw us redeemed he saw us as a great, a pearl of great price, having been bathed in the promises of God, being transformed and conformed into his likeness and into his image. 
So escape corruption, partake in the divine. The more honor you give to the word of God, the more power that you'll see. The more place you give to the word of God in your life, the more power of the word of God you'll experience in your life. Give it place, you'll experience his power. Apply it to your grit, you're gonna be uh, redeemed. You're gonna escape the corruption. So leave the dirt, the grit, the sand, and become a lustrous, divine pearl. This is what Jesus saw. He saw us receiving, (laughs) it's just amazing. He gave everything in our unredeemed condition. Romans tells us that even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And he saw us in our condition, but he knew that our true state bathed in the word of God, receiving these precious promises of God, that our value is beyond measure. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Wonderful. You know, there are a lot of things in our day and in our culture screaming for us to give attention. (laughs) And I mean screaming, screaming. And Debbie brought it up a little bit last week that we know more of things in our culture than we do of the Word of God. We know more about the news reports than we do the Word of God. And I... uh, Rejoice because I just uh, saw a post recently of the Barna survey. I don't know if you saw that yet, Pastor Joseph, but the Barna survey that said that this area of the country was 99 and 100, and uh, in the most biblically minded cities, Boston was 99, and Fall River, Providence, New Bedford was 100, last on the list. While a new survey has come out, and Providence, New Bedford, and Fall River have moved to 98. Hallelujah. We're moving up. Right? We're moving up. (laughs) We're moving up. And that's going to happen the more we value the Word of God. The more we value the Word of God. Things are screaming for us. There are buzzwords out there now. Things like awareness. Uh, You need to be informed. Well, you're not knowledgeable. Oh, my goodness. How many? Whatever your issue is, you're going to hear that around the issue. Whatever the issue is. You know, we've got pink ribbons all month and because people want to bring awareness. Now, that's not to, you know, take away from people's, you know, uh, causes and what they're doing. But everybody's shouting for you to be aware of me. Be aware of my thing. Uh, You need to have knowledge. You're not knowledgeable about this. Hear the knowledge of what I have to say. Um, Be aware. Uh, Be informed. Well, you know what? The Lord stopped me on that so many, what, a month ago or something I mentioned to you and said, you know what? You can be informed wrongly. (laughs) What? You can be informed wrongly. It may be that many of these things are propagating misinformation, but how will we know? And here's the thing. It's by measuring everything against the Word of God. But if we can't, if we're not, if we're not valuing the Word of God, how will we measure anything else that's saying, you need awareness, you need to be informed, you need to be knowledgeable? How can, if I'm not having a standard... 
How can I know what I'm doing? And it's just like junk mail. How many of you guys know? Junk mail, you need something important and it gets tossed. It's automatically eliminated. It's automatically filtered into your junk mail, but you needed that. And you might get a re, uh, something back that says, check your junk mail, right? Check your junk mail. What you needed might be in your junk mail. Well, I'm saying this morning that we need to check our junk mail, that we haven't wrongly filtered the Word of God into the junk file, and we've got all this other stuff sitting in our inbox, okay? Go check the junk mail and give more value to the Word of God. This is what allows us uh, to participate in the life that God has come to give us. And I just want to encourage you that He is worth it. He paid everything because He loves you. He gave his life. He poured out his soul. He even gave his blood. He's paid every price. There's nothing that he has withheld from you. Everything you need, everything you desire is found in Christ. It is found in him. And we have to rightly respond. And I'm encouraging us to do that, to keep ramping it up. Pastor Joseph's been calling it the year of promises. He's been teaching us. He's been stringing pearls for us. Let's begin to string our own pearls. Bind them around your neck. And that's our last scripture is Proverbs chapter 6. Let's look at that real quick. You have it? It's 20 through 23. We'll read it. My son and my girl sons too. My daughters too. Keep your father's command and do not forsake the law of your mother. Bind them continually upon your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you roam, they will lead you. <laughs> and when you sleep, they will keep you. And when you awake, they will speak with you. Praise God. For the commandment is a lamp and the law a light. Reproofs of instruction are the way of life. So that's why I came, and that's why I feel the Lord would just encourage us to keep going, keep stringing those pearls, keep tying them about your neck, bind them around your neck, take them with you, because they are the way of life. And that's what we are after, right? That's what we're after. We're escaping the corruption, and we're becoming a pearl of great price. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Hallelujah. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good he is.